Hey everybody, this is Pamela Poisson, P-O-I-S-S-O-N on The Love Mic. The Love Mic podcast is dedicated to love in all its glory and the ways we receive it, spread it, and act as a spark for someone else to do the same. Stories of love fill us, renew us, give us hope, and draw us closer as human beings. Love connects us. I hope these stories inspire you to get out there and start spreading a little love everywhere you go. The name of this love story is Beauty Inside. Today, I am so excited to have my dear friend Michelle here with me. Michelle is one of the most kind-hearted, giving people I know, and these are the characteristics that helped create the love story you are going to hear today. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Pamela. Hey. So, you have a pretty unique job in the sense that you are able to interact with people throughout the day, and they feel so comfortable with you that they tell you their deepest feelings, darkest secrets, wildest misjudgments, and most spectacular successes. So tell me, what do you do for a living? I am actually a hairstylist. You're a hairstylist. All right. <laughs> and how long have you been doing this job? Um, I would, I hate to say how old it makes me sound, <laughs> but it's been over 30 years. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. So looking back over those 30 years, what do you think is the best thing about being a hairstylist? Uh, one of the things that I say all the time to people is that I get to do something that I love doing. I get to be creative every day, but I get to meet the most amazing people all the time. Really? And... And kind of what you touched on before about the way people share their their most personal things with me, um, I get to kind of have a front row seat to some of their the biggest moments in their lives. Sometimes they're sad things, sometimes they're happy things, um, births, deaths, and everything in between. So it's it's pretty amazing that people trust me with that part of their life, their lives, and um, I, it's never boring. You know, you're right. always meeting new people and. Even though you may be doing the same types of thing all the time, you're always getting to hear all these stories. And yeah. So that's something that I really love about it. Yeah. And so that that leads me to the point that I knew you for quite a while before I even found out about a very unique and special thing that you do in relation to your business. And that's really what I wanted to talk about today, because mm-hmm. I think it just... It is love in action in every sense of the word, both Mm -hmm. what you're giving and what you're receiving. So can you just kind of share what that is? Just in a nutshell, what do you do that's so special? So um, I started working with the American Cancer Society um, several years ago um, in working with women as they were transitioning um, in cancer treatments to going to having hair, to not having hair. Mm. And as small of a thing as that may sound, it may be shallow to some people, It there's actually quite a bit of depth involved in it and yeah. emotion. And um, so I consider it um, sort of uh, my honor to help these women as they're going through that process of dealing with what they've always seen themselves with. You know, as women, right. we, we really, you know, our hair is our embodiment yeah. of who we are, you know. And so um, as women are transitioning from going to always having hair to not having hair, um, they go through a lot of different emotions. And so I, I kind of help them get through that process and um, do some practical things for them in mm. terms of um, shaving their hair, cutting their hair for donation, um, teaching them how to style their wigs, um, shaping their wigs maybe so that they'll help mm. that so that they'll fit better 
um, just helping to give them confidence. And um, so going through this process is, um, it's, it's pretty, it can be overwhelming at times right. for the person that's going through it, but it's also pretty impactful to me. So um, although it's something that I'm doing for them, I usually walk away feeling like they gave me the gift. Oh yeah, it sounds like it would be incredibly emotional. Yeah, it really is. So what was your first experience doing this? How did it how did it come to be? Because, you know, we look around and there are hairdressers everywhere, all mm-hmm. over the place. Mm-hmm. And you have to wonder how you were either selected or how you kind of fell into this opportunity. What happened? Well, um I don't even really remember kind of like a time that I didn't do it Hmm. it's it's um unfortunately I've had a lot of experience in my life with family members and and several close friends that have had cancer and or either gotten through treatment and beat it or didn't right and so I've always had sort of an affinity towards cancer um there's quite a bit of it on my dad's side of the family um my grandmother was the first person that I ever lost to it and she was basically my sun, moon, and stars. Mm. And so um, in losing her at a very young age, it kind of um, marked me in a way that I always felt like I had this special affinity with people that were going through that, especially breast cancer. When your grandmother passed away, did anyone take care of her in the way that you're talking about? Or was that so long ago that it really was not um, something that was in the awareness, like to take care of a woman in that way where you're taking care of their hair and how beautiful they feel and special I don't think so Hmm. um I often remember seeing her um with her um mastectomy bras that were not very attractive um her prosthesis they were not very attractive or very comfortable um you know and she was always a very uh, statuesque elegant woman and watching someone that you love go through that kind of an illness where they lose their dignity. Yeah. And and I think that that's the biggest thing that I try to remember is that these women are losing their dignity mm-hmm. and they don't have any control over what's going on in their bodies. Mm-hmm. So I try to help them get a little bit of control and dignity back. Mm, I love that. In what we do. I love that. And so I, I honestly cannot even remember who the first person I, I was just going to ask I, you that I, question. It's crazy. It's been so long that I don't even remember who exactly was the first person. But um, I it just kind of morphed into right. this thing that I do. And um, yeah, that's just amazing. Okay, so walk me through the process of how this happens. Someone calls you and what do they say to you? So oftentimes they they got my number from someone else. Mm. Um, lots of times through the American Cancer Society or an organization called the Gift Room that we have here locally that um, provides wigs and okay. mastectomy bras and stuff at no cost. So um, they'll pass that information on to them that they can give me a call. Are people and typically nervous when they call you? Yes, do you, do you sense absolutely. that they don't even know what to expect? Absolutely. Yeah. They have no idea what to expect. They just kind of say like, you know, I was given your number by so-and-so, and I was recently diagnosed with cancer, and I've started treatments where I'm about to start treatment, and I'm going to lose my hair, so I need some help. Mm. And so 
I know from experience that I need some help means a whole lot of things. I was just going to say that yeah. because they probably don't even realize what they're walking into. They really don't. Yeah. I mean, they're thinking that they're calling me just to handle their hair or their wig. Mm. But I know that it means a whole lot of other things. Mm-hmm. So usually what I try to do is schedule them at a time where I don't have a time restraint. Usually like at the end of the day or afternoon or mm-hmm. um, early in the morning before other people get there so that they can we can have as much time together as we need. And this is just an initial consultation where you're talking or is this... It just depends on how they feel. Um, Sometimes they want to just come in and talk to me because they don't know what they want to do. And that's fine. And then other times it means talking and then are we going to do this or not? Because it's a big commitment to go ahead and say, all right, I'm going to shave my head. And there's lots of people that come in thinking they're not going to do it. But by the time I finish talking to them... I would say 99% of the time we end up shaving it then Wow! because I explained to them that in them shaving their hair or having someone in their family shave their head or me, you know, however we decide to go about it, um, they're taking a little bit of control back Mm. because that day to day waking up and hair being on the pillow or hair being in the shower Mm -hmm. or the pain that's involved with their their follicles as they're losing their hair Mm -hmm. feeling that every day day in and day out is so disheartening and it's depressing and you know they they're feeling that loss of control at every moment so going in and saying you know what i'm going to take the bull by the horns that's exactly what we're doing. Right. So even though it's an upsetting thing to do, it's actually quite freeing. And that is the thing that most of the women are so surprised about when they actually follow through with the process of shaving their hair off. Mm. And so um, I, I try to do my best to explain to them from my experience um, the way that things go. And uh, usually... I feel like it's it's been like a really successful thing for me. Um, mm-hmm. The people usually walk out. It, it's like we become fast friends. Yeah, I would imagine. You know, because we go through this this very emotional thing together, and um, I think that they could say that I've helped to lead them in the right direction. Yeah. And uh, because I've had so much experience with it and so many people close to me that I'm really coming from a place of, although I have not experienced it, I'm coming from a place of seeing people that are near and dear to me Mm -hmm. that have gone through this. Well, and I think people that are going through a major illness like that, um, you know, myself included, it wasn't cancer, it was MS, but Mm -hmm. still, you're looking for connections. You're looking for people that can help build that foundation that's going to hold you up and that's just part of it and you're you know you're very authentic when you talk with people Mm -hmm. and so I think it makes a difference when they feel that because they can sense that and it's something that I I care so much about right um you know I spoke about my grandmother um there's been some very very close people for me in my life that I've lost and I've watched them go through this process and I can I can just only wish that if it was me one day or my one of someone even closer to my family that was going through that that someone would take the time to be kind to them when they were going right. through that process because as we said before you know going to the doctors that's all out of your control what's happening in your body is out of your control mm-hmm. and and lots of times like there's things that get missed along the way yeah. in the care realm of it um in terms of like say bedside manner or people can be very 
um, cut and dry when it comes to that. And then yeah. this is something that's not a cut and dry thing. Right. It's very gray. And everybody takes it differently and right. feels about it differently. So um, I, I, I tell them, look, if you want to come in alone, you can come in alone. If you want to bring family members or friends or whatever your support system is, bring them in. Have you ever had um, anyone that came in alone thinking they were just going to have a consultation with you, decided to shave their head, and made a few phone calls, and you would wait for family to arrive? Does that ever happen? That actually has happened. And one of one of like the funniest ones, I think, that, that kind of sticks out of my mind was I had a woman that came in that was very matter-of-fact, and she was very, you know, she stood up straight and tall, and she she didn't need any hubbub. She mm-hmm. just wanted to come in and get her head shaved and let's just take care of this right. kind of thing. She wasn't going to wear a wig. She was just going to wear a scarf and that was going to be it. And that, that was fine if that's what works for you. Right. So I started talking to her and explaining the process a little bit. And I started telling her about things that different people have done. Um, I've had people that have, um, you know, I, I often tell them they can play their own music, whatever music feels good to them, because I know music really helps yeah. in these kinds of situations. Yeah. So whatever kind of music she wanted to have on, she could have on. Well, she didn't really have anything because she hadn't thought about any of that. And I said, and you know, I have a really good friend that had a photographer come in with her and she did a photo journal of the whole process and it was beautiful. Mm. And I said, you know, if you had somebody that you wanted to bring in that you wanted to take pictures with or anything, that could be done if you wanted to have friends. So she kind of looked at me like I was crazy when I was telling her all those things. And she made an appointment to come back at a later day and she did not bring anyone with her. However, she did bring music and if I remember right, it was a country singer, can't think of her name right now, that um, wrote some songs about breast cancer. Oh. I can't remember if it was her that went through it or someone else. But anyway, she played this music that she thought would be inspirational. And when I was done shaving her head, she actually strutted around the salon, <laughs> kind of like to the music, like she just thought she was a badass because she had done this. And she went home, and although she didn't take pictures with anyone else, she went home and bought a whole bunch of silly hats. And she made a whole album of pictures. Wow. I know, a lobster hat, like crazy silly hats. And she brought it into me later on, this photo album that she made with all these pictures in it. And I just thought it was such a cool thing because she really was not someone that I expected to get that into it. Yeah. But she didn't either. And and that's what happens a lot of times is that these... These emotions start to come out that you were not mm-hmm. expecting. Um, you know, some of the women that um, have done this, have gone through this, are just so emotional because they're so attached to their hair. That would be me. Yes. Yes. Very yes. attached. One of my one of my closest friends, my sweet Meg, she had a five year long battle with cancer, mm. and she was extremely attached to her hair. I mean, she made no bones about it. She used to always tell us, I know I'm vain, but she was beautiful and sweet and feminine and lovely. And she always wore these beautiful little sundresses and she had her hair always done so pretty. So for her, the idea of losing her hair was just absolutely terrifying. Right. And she faced everything in her cancer treatment and her whole Um, sickness with such dignity and grace but when it came to her losing her hair she really could not get her head wrapped around that whole idea of that you were friends with Meg before she had her cancer diagnosis yes and so when this happened 
were you the main person that was kind of pushing her toward this event where she would shave her head? So I I would say probably mm-hmm. um, there was a whole group of us that were all we were all very close friends. Um, she worked at the elementary school that my children went to, and we had, I was fortunate enough to become friends with this this close knit group of teachers. And she also has two awesome sisters, and so we were all friends. And so amongst ourselves, we were all kind of saying like. When is she gonna go ahead and and do the shave? When is she gonna do it? Because, is that because she was already losing hair? Yes, she and had was already, it noticeable to outside people if they looked at her? Was she wearing was, hats? She and, was already wearing her oh, wigs. She was. Okay. She had gone out and purchased, I think, three wigs, mm-hmm. and she was so again vain, according mm-hmm. to her, about uh, what she looked like, and she was still working, um, and she didn't want to look sick in front of the kids. Yeah. And she worked with primarily first graders, so mm-hmm. she didn't want to look sick to right. them. And so she would wear the wigs, but underneath her hair was, was coming out. And and she was the one that really talked a lot to me about every day waking up and that hair being on her pillow and taking a shower and the, the hair being in the drain and clogging the drain and how much it hurt her follicles. And Was that the first time that you had heard that particular perspective? Because you had been doing this for a while before. I mean... Was it because you were so close with her that she felt safe telling you all of that? I think so. Um, I think that most of, most of the women that I had dealt with up until that time would come into me preemptively. As ah. soon as they found out that they were going to get chemo and they were going to lose their hair, they would go to the, to the uh, gift room or to a wig shop. They would buy a wig and they'd come to me and we would kind of take care of business. But she was one of the first ones that I was really close to before. Mm-hmm. And so knowing so much about her right. as a person, I knew how big of a deal this was going to be to her. And also doing her hair for several mm-hmm. years, I knew it was going to be a big a big thing for her, mm-hmm. extra big thing for her. And um, so we were talking and it was kind of like, okay, Meg, when are we going to do this? Okay, Meg, when are we going to do this? Mm-hmm. And she'd go, oh, I know, I know. One of her favorite lines is, denial isn't just a river in Egypt. <laughs> so I That's think great. she was really in a little bit of denial about the fact that she was losing her hair because she'd put these beautiful wigs on and she would just kind of go about her her, her yeah. business yeah. as if she, this was still her hair. Meanwhile, she'd go to take a shower and it was coming out mm. in the shower. And it's very painful. Your follicles are really irritated. And so... Uh, I know at the time her mom and dad had gone out of town and I think she was trying to hold out until her her mom came back but it started to get really bad and we Mm. said Meg we have to do this so her sisters and I and her um, some close girlfriends and I all decided we were going to make a party out of it (laughs) so um, we came up to the salon late on a I think it was a Friday night or a Saturday night and we had music playing and we all got dressed up and of course Meg came and she bought a brand new dress for it and she looked gorgeous and a friend of ours dropped by some homemade sangria and Mm -hmm. so we all started to drink sangria and got a little bit tipsy and you know the way that we always were we just were laughing and talking and kind of ignoring this big elephant that was in the room of what was going to happen when meg came to the shop was she wearing her wig she was okay she was and she like i said she looked gorgeous she was in this really elegant dress and so i think she probably drank maybe a whole pitcher of sangria herself before she finally got the nerve to say okay let's do this and so um oh and i forgot to mention 
one of our really good friends is an amazing photographer. And so Lori was there and she was doing a photo journal, she called it, Mm. like just taking pictures of the whole night of all of us just, you know, laughing and joking and enjoying each other's company and trying to kind of prop her up to get her ready to do what she needed to do. So I'm wondering when she finally feels confident enough to sit down in that chair and you, you know, you drape Mm -hmm. the cover over her Mm -hmm. and it's time was that a serious moment? Or oh, absolutely. What did she do? Absolutely. Um, I can tell you I've shaved probably hundreds of women's heads. I was never so nervous as I was to do Meg mm. because of how much I loved her. Mm. I knew how hard this was for her and how hard it was for really for all of us. What was everyone sit- in the room doing? Uh, pretty much at this point, everybody was crying. Oh. And um, so, you know she took off because none of us had seen her what her head looked like she had not even shown her sisters at that point what it looked like so when she took it all off I mean it was all we could do to you know hold back gasps because that's the reality of Mm -hmm. that illness that's the reality right there and we're all sitting around and joking and drinking sangria and enjoying each other but yet here's our very dear friend who's very very sick and now seeing her without this wig yeah. on, you really realize how sick she is. You see it. And that's the thing about shaving their heads and losing their hair is that they look sick. Yeah. And I think in that moment, that one moment that really embodied what we're talking about, like this is why it's so scary for women to do this. Mm-hmm. She didn't even want to look at herself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And I remember that. I remember thinking like she's so beautiful inside and out. And yet she doesn't even want to lift her eyes and look at herself in the mirror. Yeah. And so I remember one of one of one of our sweet friends, Denise, who kind of knelt down next to her and held her hands and and just kind of sat there with her and gave her a little bit of extra support and, you know, made eye contact from from below, basically, because she wouldn't look up. And as I started to shave uh, her hair, <laughs> I started to realize she literally had the most perfect head I've ever seen. <laughs> and I thought to myself, this gorgeous woman who is so attached to her hair, and she doesn't even realize the beauty that's underneath all oh, of that hair. That's great. Because her head, I mean, we all sat there and said, oh my goodness, look at this head. It's just perfect. Like, she looked so beautiful, wow. even with no hair on her head. And and that's really the thing, is that your inner beauty is going to shine. Right. It's not that she, you know, technically speaking, had a perfect head. It's that you were seeing the inner beauty of her right. that was coming out. And and in that moment, I mean, it was such a it was such a powerful moment for all of us. Mm-hmm. And um, so you finish, yeah. And you say, do you say to her, "We're finished"? Yeah. Look I, up. I mean, and, and she when did. did she look and at she herself? kind of starts to look at herself. And I'm like, good God, woman, you're so beautiful, even with no hair on your head. Like, if I looked like you, I think I'd walk around bald all the time. Yeah. I mean, she's just, just gorgeous. And um, I think it made, she started to realize, like, oh, maybe this isn't as bad as I thought it was. You know, and we played with the wigs. We, we did all of that. She had, like I said, I think she had three wigs. So we kind of played with those. And, and meanwhile, Lori's just snapping away at all these pictures. Mm-hmm. And, you know, her sisters were playing with her wigs. And we all started to get a little bit silly because yeah. the, the tenseness of the moment has kind of, like, relaxed a little bit. 
And um, one of my favorite, favorite pictures of all is um, I leaned over and I'm kind of known for my lipstick. I leave my lipstick everywhere. <laughs> and um, I leaned over and I just gave her a big kiss right in the middle of her forehead. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite pictures because it's her, her beautiful bald head with my lips right in the middle of her forehead. And, That's um, an amazing it, story. It was just such a great night. She actually continued over the next couple of days and did a whole photo shoot with Lori, with mm-hmm. her family and with her dogs and with with her wigs on, without her wigs on. And it really helped her to feel confident, you know, wow. walking around with, with no hair. And um, a friend of ours painted a, a painting of one of the pictures mm-hmm. that was taken of her with just her, her turban on. And it hangs in my salon right over my station. And I just feel like everywhere I go, Meg's with me. And I've seen that picture. And yeah. what I love about that picture, I love the, that she's in it. Mm-hmm. But what really seals the deal for me are the words on there mm-hmm. that describe who this woman was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, The beauty that she was beyond really what her beautiful. outer appearance was. Yeah. Yeah. Her courage, her kindness. Yeah. I mean, she really, truly was a gentle woman. And um, I can honestly say that I feel like when other women come in and they see Meg Mm -hmm. hanging on my wall, first of all, they know that I get it. Yes. And and they feel like, you know, kind of like the spirit of what Meg left behind is still there. Right. You know, And, 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 and they know that I'm coming from a place of pain and loss also. Right. So that is part of what enables me to feel empathetic for what they're going through. Oh yeah. And we love more deeply when we've had that pain. Sure. I'm so sorry that Meg passed. I know that was very painful for you. Mm -hmm. How do you continue to spread a little love to keep her memory alive? You know, I was thinking about it and I had done quite a few women before Meg, um, through it, like I said, through the American Cancer Society. Uh, but I think going through that, that situation with Meg, it really it really got to me on a different level. Because like you mm. spoke about before, and I don't even know that I realized it until you said that, but I think because I had so much of a relationship with Meg before she got sick, mm-hmm. I had a different perspective of her. Right. And then to see the change in her that happened when she was sick and the things that she went through. Um, so I think that having that perspective allowed me, allowed this part of me to kind of grow more and Mm. it became like its own thing. Right. And, uh, so over the years, unfortunately I've had other friends that I've lost as well. And I, I do, I do approach it differently because of what I went through with Meg. Right. Um, we also have done, um, over the years, we've done a few, um, drives at the school, a couple I've done at the salon, um, for women to, um, come in and donate their hair. Um, that's really important. And that's something that we always do kind of in memory of Meg. Mm -hmm. You recently told me a story about a woman named Andrea who came to your salon and donated hair, Mm -hmm. but there was a twist Mm -hmm. in that story. Please tell our listeners about that. Okay. So Andrea gave me a call and said that she had recently been diagnosed with breast cancer. And let me just say here, 
you did not know Andrea before you received this call. You didn't did expect not. to receive this call. Didn't. This was out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Okay. Andrea is actually a friend of some of the same people that I talked about with Meg um, through the school. And so when she started talking about uh, her cancer diagnosis with them and that she was going to start chemo and lose her hair, they said, well, you have to call Michelle. Mm-hmm. So she, she told me that several people that she had spoken to said, Michelle is the person you have to go to. So she said she felt like it was kind of meant to be that we got together. And um, But what's interesting about Andrea, she had not cut her hair in 25 years. How long was her hair? Her hair was about to her waist, and she's a tall <laughs> woman. So it was very, very long, naturally, curly, curly, just gorgeous, gorgeous hair. Uh-huh. Obviously someone that is extremely attached to their hair. So um, she's in her mid-30s. I think she is a flight attendant, and she has two young children that are still in elementary school. And so here's this beautiful, vibrant woman, again, who is getting ravaged by this horrible disease, who now comes in and says, "I've, I've been told that once I start my treatment, after 17 days, I will start to lose hair. Now, I had never heard it said so specifically. Yeah. I don't know if it's the type of treatment that she is going through or what the reason is for that, but they were very specific in telling her that 17 days into treatment, she would start to lose hair. So she was very proactive about the fact that she was going to lose her hair, and she said, in fact, I want to donate my hair before I start my chemo because chemo really messes with your hair. So she had thought about it first, um, possibly even making a wig for her own self out of her own hair. But she instead decided that she was going to donate it. So she said, if I can't use it, then somebody else can. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I was really blown away by that. I thought of all the things that this woman is going through to be so selfless to think that she's going to give this hair to someone else, this beautiful, beautiful hair. Again, Truly an example of love. I mean, It's just amazing. Honestly. So she came in with a girlfriend of hers who also happens to be a friend and client of mine. And their daughters are besties. So their daughters were there who are in fifth grade. So 10, 11 years old, I guess. Oh my goodness. And her little boy was also with her. And How old was he? um, I think he's about eight. Okay. So, I mean, these are young kids. But she has really spoken so clearly with her children about the process that she's going through and that, you know, mommy's sick right now and, and, and so on and so forth. So um, they were they were really kind of okay with it. I mean, they were on board with it. And, and actually, we decided that we were going to involve them in it. So as we started, as I started to section off her hair and, you know, I have to put it into braids and stuff so that we can... It makes it into a more manageable amount of hair so that you can donate it. Can I stop um, you here and ask mm-hmm. you a question? Mm-hmm. So when you're getting your hair shaved off because you have cancer and you know you're going to lose it, mm-hmm. she did something different. Mm-hmm. She didn't shave her head. Mm-hmm. She just brought it shorter. Is that correct? Yeah. What she said was that because she had had such long hair for so long, yeah. she wanted to cut her hair short first. So that she could get used to what it felt like to not have the weight okay. of her hair, which right. I thought was brilliant, actually. Right. Um, and and I have 
had other women cut their hair a little shorter at the beginning if they've had real long hair. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times I kind of feel like, oh, it's kind of a waste of time. You know, you might mm-hmm. be just prolonging the inevitable. But in this case, I felt like it really made sense because her hair was so long and she was just so used to having all that weight of that hair. And she still had a few more weeks to hang on to it, so she wanted to enjoy it. Right. So, again... The selflessness, though, of her wanting to give her hair to yeah. somebody else, I thought yeah. was amazing. So I interrupted you. Please go back. No, so you okay. sectioned her hair. So we sectioned her How many her parts? Off. Um, normally it's four. I had to do six on her, I believe, because she had so much hair. And so once I got them all, you know, at the same length and everything, and we go to start cutting it, um, the kids came in. And so they saw her hair all tied up in these little ponytails. And I said to them, would you like to... to take a turn and cut one and so they you know they were shocked of course yeah sure so they each took a turn and cut and then her her friend took a turn and then she sat there and looked herself in the mirror with one ponytail left and and she did it to herself and I thought that was so courageous and and just brave and cool and strong and all of these awesome things I just sat there in awe of her I really thought wow, not only is she selfless, but she is just facing this thing head on. And, you know, she was taking pictures of herself the whole time we were working and, and sending videos to her husband who had to work. And, you know, so it was it was really a cool moment. And, you know, I sat there and I thought to myself, this, this is why I'm doing this for these That's kind right. of moments. Because she left there feeling so happy and confident now granted we have not shaved her head yet right so that will be another stepping stone for her and i don't know if i'll be the one to do it or if it's something that she'll decide to do privately at home she may not know yet even Mm -hmm. until she gets to that moment but i feel like it's such an honor and i and i said that to her i said she started to thank me and i said no really i thank you because you could have let anyone do this. I felt like it was such a gift to me that she yeah. allowed me to be the one to share in this extremely intimate moment of hers and to trust me that I was the right person for her. And that was huge for me. And and so like that's yeah. when when people say like that they can't, you know, that what I'm doing is such a great thing. I don't know that it's such a great thing that I'm doing for them as it is it's <laughs> a great thing that they're doing for me to allow them to allow me to go through this with them. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it really is. For the people that are listening to this who may be going through something very similar right now, Mm -hmm. maybe they've just been diagnosed, they have a friend or a family member or an acquaintance who is going to have to deal with this, what words of advice do you have to give to those people? Well, first of all, um, I think that they need to make sure that they have their support system on board with them. Mm-hmm. And and whatever they feel like is the course that they want to take. Nobody can make that decision yeah. for, for them um, but themselves. So, you know, if their, their support system needs to be on board with whatever direction they're going to go in. And um, and if they... If they need to find someone that can help walk them through this process. There's different places that they can reach out. Um, American Cancer Society has uh, a program called Look Good, Feel Good, and uh, they are connected with people that that's their priority is helping them, Mm -hmm. you know, walk 
through this process and in helping them with their hair and their makeup and different types of things. Um, that's a bigger organization, but they they may may have people locally wherever they are. Right. Um, sometimes their doctor's office. I know that I was seeing a doctor that was in an oncology office for some time, and they would refer people mm-hmm. um, to me also. So I mean, different connections like that. Hopefully, if they can reach out into outside of their circle, they could find someone. But if you know somebody that's going through something like this, the biggest thing is to just be there for them in whatever capacity they need it to be. Yeah. And you can't be the one to tell them what way is going to be the best way for them to go right. with this. You know, they have to kind of figure that out and, and realize that it is a very emotional and painful situation that they're going through. But with the help of love and support from friends and family, that's what will help them get through it. If someone is interested in donating their own hair for this cause, who do they call? Where do they go? I recently, well, not that recent, in the last several years, started working with an organization called Children with Hair Loss. And I I can't say enough good things about them. Um, they do not charge ever for anyone that they make wigs for. They, they primarily work with children up until age 21. They mm-hmm. provide them a free custom-made wig every year. Um, up until the age of 21 and also tools to um, style their hair and stuff and um, they only take you only are required to give eight inches you can have hair that's got chemical treatments on it um, as long as it's healthy so a lot of the other companies that take hair you you can't do those things Mm. they require a lot more hair and it has to be virgin and so forth so there's also been a lot of things in the news about some that that take donations of hair and then charge people for them so do your research if you don't do children with hair loss make sure you do your research that you're doing it giving it to a company that's on the up and Mm -hmm. up and you would never want somebody to have to pay for this well michelle thank you so much for sharing these heartfelt stories with us i think it really gives us perspective of how love moves from person to person event to event. I mean, it's it's all around us. And this is just one example mm-hmm. of how you are spreading love, receiving it. And all the people that were mentioned today in this story, I mean, it's just amazing to me. Yeah. They're beautiful spirits that... that yeah. I truly feel like I carry a piece of them, yeah. each of them with me all the time. And and I, I never walk away with, with not remembering something about them. They're all special. We all have something beautiful inside that we can give to others to make a positive difference in this world. Find your beautiful today. And until next time, remember, spread a little love.